Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. We continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. Multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half. How'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning and then 45 minutes later she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. Welcome to the Operator Podcast. This is episode 31, and normally it's just me running my mouth, having a good time talking about what I think I know as an operator and finding out what you think you know as an operator. And I follow your comments uh, on Instagram, usually at the Operator Podcast, and sometimes Twitter, but Twitter is very, very mean. Um, but we, I'm doing my first interview uh, with uh, with video this time, um, and it's a very special guest. His name is uh, Eddie Gallagher. You may have heard of him, uh, former Navy SEAL. Uh, and and we, what I, Eddie, uh, I'm sure they can see enough. You, you start your audio up. Let's. Yeah, I think you should be on there, right? Yep. We'll see. Cool. Um, I was doing an interview the other day, and I. I read your book. Your book's amazing. We'll get into that in a second. But the first time, like you get a little bit of notoriety and the fame is really awkward. And I hate, I hate when people say, here's the famous so-and-so, but yesterday someone said, here's the notorious Rob O'Neill. And I'm like, yes, notorious. So <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the, the notorious Eddie Gallagher, you may know him from um, some recent incidents that I'm sure we'll get into. I read, now I got to push your book. I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, yeah. So so the man in the arena, and that's a famous quote. You want to tell us a little bit about the quote from that? Where you got that, Eddie? Yeah, obviously, you know, it's from Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, it's probably one of his most famous quotes. And, I mean, if anybody that knows it, it, it pretty much encapsulates, you know, what we did in our career. Um, you know, the guys that are out there doing doing the actual job. And then, you know, my favorite part is, you know, the uh, it's not the critic who counts. Obviously, this world is full of critics. Uh, everyone has something to say about everything. But if you're not out there actually doing the job, you know, putting in the blood, sweat, and tears, then, you know, your opinion really doesn't mean much to me. Um, you're just going to keep pushing forward and doing what we do. So that's why, you know, I call it the man in the arena um, because not only, obviously, what we did in our career, but that whole turmoil, that two-year turmoil I went through with my family um, and having the government and the Navy uh, come after me. It really did feel like, you know, not just me, but my family was the ones in the arena fighting back um, and pretty much fighting back for not just for us, but for all the operators, you know, everybody that we've worked with, because the way we looked at it was if they came after us and we gave up, um, it would just it would be a black stain on everything that you and all of our other brothers have done mm -hmm. over the past 20 years. Um, so. And, and again, the, the, when you say from some of the government, like no shit, um, from the third NCIS agent to up to the president of the United States got involved with yeah. your case. 
Yep. Yeah. The secretary and, of uh, secretary of the Navy ended up getting relieved over it. Um, yeah, it, it got it got a lot bigger than everybody expected. And, and again, okay, so it's the man in the arena, and and I read. It. I mean, I I thought I knew your story. I followed it very very closely. Um, uh, everyone was pulling for you, and and it, I, I didn't realize till I read it. And I didn't. It didn't take me long to read, and I read it. I'm not shitting you with a highlighter, and and I went back through the whole thing today. I was reading again yesterday, and uh, um, just the way that not only did you hold your composure, but you didn't even know when you were in the break what the hell was going on outside, did you? No, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was quite the. It was a crazy experience, you know, because obviously I got thrown in the brig um, without any charges. Nobody told me why I was going to the brig. It was just an order from uh, the admiral, who was uh, Admiral Green at the time, um, threw me in the brig. And then, obviously, if anybody knows the UCMJ, um, Uniform Code Military Justice, there is no bail system there's there's no nothing so once you're thrown in there even if you're not charged you're considered a prisoner and you're in there until your trial and then the sad part is you know some people are in there for years until their trial and nobody knows about it Uh, but yeah when i was in there i had no clue i mean obviously i was talking to my wife with the you know 10 minute phone calls were allowed a day but there's only certain things you can say over the phone as well because everything's recorded and cis is constantly trying to look for stuff um, but yeah, I, didn't, I had no idea how big it was getting, uh, probably until like the fifth or sixth month. And I saw my wife on the news. <laughs> no, and I'm, I, I, you know, I read your book. I know you, I know your story and I have notes, but, and we're, I just, I like to jump around, but I mean, m- my few experiences with the NCIS, my initial reaction is why the fuck did they give these assholes a TV show? That's one of the worst things they could have done. <laughs> Because they, they, they look cool and like there's some law enforcement agency. These, I mean, these are these these fucking people. They're flunkies, but they're not on your team, and they'll come at you like they are. Was that at your? I mean, I had a dude that say uh, he was happy he got some Navy SEALs kicked out for admitting to smoking weed on leave. Just sign here, and you're good. And he signed, and they're all booted, dishonorable yep. discharge. And he was saying shit to me. I'm like, that's my as a as a young E4 at SEAL Team Two, and it's and they're just trying to be your buddy off the bat. Is that sort of what happened with you? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I when I came in, my, my when I was a new guy at Team One, I mean, that that was probably day one. I was told by my chief, you know, do not trust NCIS; they're out to bag a seal. And you know, that is a good fucking chief right there. That's a great oh, way yeah. to learn. Yeah, well, it, what was crazy is during our deployment, um, that time we were in Iraq, NCIS came and hemmed him up about uh, four months in, took him away. We all got shut down for two weeks, interrogated. And it was, you know, it's the same clown show that they pulled, you know, 20 years later almost with me. It's, yeah, they try yeah. to be your buddy, but it's so obvious. I mean, they're horrible at their job. Anybody that knows, you know, what they're trying to do or what they're about, you can see right through them. Um, but unfortunately, you know, they do have some power um, yeah. and they, they abuse it at every They point. abuse it because I think even – it doesn't matter which pay grade, they can fuck you. And I think everyone knows that. And it's almost like uh, NCIS for Jones Naval Criminal Investigative Service, which they made that show. Mark Harmon made look awesome. Like I think I thought I think he was excellent in uh, in that summer, not summer rental, but summer school. <laughs> he went to become yeah. an NCIS cop. But it's it's like you know, um, yeah. Well, let, let's get into that in a second. But let's can we can we just start where this all started? Because uh, I love talking to veterans. I love talking to team guys and wondering how it all started. Because you you're from Indiana and a wrestler, right? 
not a wrestler yet, but I, I'm from Indiana. I grew up a uh, army brat, um, moved all over the place, uh, mostly in Asia when I was little. And then we ended up in Indiana, uh, when I started high school, my dad was out of the army at that time. Um, spent <clears throat> about four years, pretty much my high school career in Indiana. And then we were born there. No, I was born in New Jersey, uh, Patterson, oh. New Jersey. Yeah. And CIS told me you were born in Indiana. <laughs> That, well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, okay, so uh, so uh, went to high the school. Power yeah. their, the power of they, their investigative skills. They told me they were going to reinstate me and then court martial me if I didn't say that. What? Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, so, graduate high school in Indiana. Yep, graduated high school. Uh, spent about half a year after that trying to figure out what I was going to do, and then uh, ended up enlisting in the Navy. I, I was, you know, I wanted to be a SEAL at that point, um, and How'd you find out about him, SEALs? Uh, you know, growing, my dad was obviously in the Army growing up. Um, you know, you, you see, you hear about certain things, and then obviously the movies, Navy SEALs, you know, with Charlie Sheen, the documentary. Yep, That now. one right there, he signed that picture from the character Hawkins. He put, we finally did it, Hawkins. Dude, that is <laughs> sick. <laughs> I, hey, I know a guy. I'll get you one. <laughs> oh, I'll take it. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll get on, I'll get, I'll get on today. Yeah. So, that, sorry. I mean, so now did, was it, uh, did, was it a long recruiting process or did you, did you just go in knowing that's what you wanted and, and like, how did it work? Dude, uh, I went in blindly. So I didn't tell my parents I was doing it. Just walked to the recruiting station uh, and went in was like, Hey, I want to join. I want to be a seal. I was a, I was pretty much a recruiter's wet dream. He was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. We gotcha. Uh, signed me up right there. You know, obviously back then you had to pick a rate. So I was like, yes, well, what rate am I going to be able to be a seal? And he's like, Oh, they're looking for corpsman, which is a medic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I went to uh, boot camp, went to core school, but, uh, at the, at the end of boot camp, <laughs> they were calling out where, you know, each individual was going. And I was like, you know, I'm oh, supposed God. to go to seal training. Yeah. Yeah. I was core school. And then, did you, um, did you take the, um, the, the screening test for buds in boot camp? I did. Yeah. How'd that go? Was it good? Yeah, passed it. Um, and then when I was in core school, they had. Uh, do you remember scruff duty? I scruff do not. Duty. So back then, they, before they had the what what they have now, which is like the seal. Oh yeah, yeah. They they had just been starting that. When I well, see, when, mine was the opposite. When I joined, uh, well, I tried to be a marine at first, and he was literally out to lunch. And I I went in and I had a I had someone tell me to get it in writing, and they had the dive fairer program, and I joined saying I would be a corpsman, but I got out of that, but I did get orders to bud. So, um, but so then you nice. went in with the, the HM corpsman designation yep. and then they fucked you and you went to core school. Pretty much. Yeah. I was showing up to scruff duty, um, you know, preparing to go, go to buds. And then one of the seals, you know, it was like three in the morning and you had to get up go over there, work out before you started your day at core school. And then I think I made it about a week and a half. And one of the instructors or one of the seals was like, dude, you're not even on this list to go. And I was like, well, can I get on the list? And he's like, no, he's like, you, you got to go back and get orders or whatever. So at that mm -hmm. point I had to choose. So I, being a corpsman, you can either choose to go to the fleet or to the Marine Corps. And I chose to go to the Marine Corps. I was like, well, mm -hmm. if I can't be a SEAL right now. I'll go do my time with them until it's, until I, it's time to go. The, every, every corpsman I know that went with the Marines said that was the best move they ever either took advertently or inadvertently because you, I mean, it's almost like a. have heard it's almost a screening pro process to get to the point of being called doc by the Marines. And that means that they, they got, they got you and you're, and you're one of them sort of. Yeah. I mean, and that I was very fortunate in that fact that I got to go with the Marines. And then when I got there, you're pretty much, you know, a Marine, um, without, 
being one. You're you're with them 24 seven. Um, and then if you are motivated, and if you you know do everything they do or do it better than them, they they love you. Uh, they respect you. So right away, you know I gain respect. I was with the grunt unit uh, at First Battalion, Eighth Marines. Um, did uh, one pump with them. That was pre 9/11. And then uh, came back from that and took the screening to be in state platoon, which is the sniper platoon in the yes. time. Uh, passed that, got in that platoon, and um, now you really pa pa passed what? Passed sniper school? No. So the the screening to get into the platoon is about a month and a half long, and it's pretty arduous. Oh, okay. um, mm -hmm. that, that's where they select people like you are allowed in the platoon. So the platoon is made up of actual snipers and then um, non snipers. So they the actual snipers are called hogs and then the non-snipers are called pigs. And so <laughs> there you're just waiting your turn to go to sniper school. Um, and usually as a corpsman, you don't, you don't get a chance to go to sniper school because you're, it's just a, the way it is. But because I was so motivated and they, they liked me a lot. The, they gave me a, a slot at Marine Corps sniper school. Um, they told me, Hey, you can go, but you will not get a certificate. Um, and I was like, yeah, no, no issue. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I'll take it. How was how was snipers? Now that's at Quantico, right? No, that was in uh, Stone Bay at Camp Lejeune. Um, so oh, they okay. One at Quantico, one I don't believe it's at Stone Bay anymore. They might have moved it, and then one out in Pendleton, I believe. And what was uh? Could, because Carlos Hathcock, most famous sniper, you know, in basically in history, especially in Vietnam, he he was the Marine Corps sniper, and uh, he designed Navy SEAL sniper scout sniper course. And I, I, based on the Marine Corps sniper course, what in your experience is, is Marine Corps sniper and SEAL sniper out in Indiana similar? No, uh, I think you know obviously the uh, applications of shooting and stalking and all that are similar, but the Marine Corps sniper school is more of a selection. Um, it's not a, it's it's not even close to being a gentleman's course. You really, know, it's about a seventy-five percent uh, dropout what? rate. Are you serious? Yeah, it was. Uh, that was. It was a. I mean, it was an awesome school, but it was brutal. It was about three months. I mean, you're getting, you know, you're getting beat every day. It's it's similar to buds, uh, in a in some fashion. Just where you know, you're they're constantly beating you on your off time, keeping you up late, uh, no sleep, and then you really know, like getting dropped drop down and shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Really, you're, you're treated like a they, you're a nasty pig. Like you're you're nothing until you pass. <laughs> until uh, you get to be a hog. Isn't that yeah. isn't that isn't that like a like a marine too to do that? Oh yeah, I mean mm -hmm. that that the marines treat that school as like one of their pinnacle schools. So it's you know I was in there actually. There was another seal in there as well. Um, he he made it all the way through. He broke his ankle near the end, but uh, doing what? We near the end, they you know you have FTX, which is like a week long. You get one yeah. MRE for the whole week, and you're constantly week. doing yeah, constantly doing missions over and over. Um, and I think he just you know ended up rolling his ankle out there in the in the woods in the swamp. And but they they let him. Yeah, okay. That that him. that makes sense. It's like uh, for, yeah, well, I'm thinking our sniper course and our FTX. I couldn't have broken my leg. It was more of a did I put enough Jack Daniels in my rucksack? <laughs> Yeah, there's no, none of that Marine Corps. Like it's all <laughs> rough runs. I mean, you're sprinting everywhere. It's uh, I mean, it's it's an awesome school. I'm you know, and I I'm sure. Well, I'm sure. I I in my experience, I the first time I worked with Marine snipers was on the USS Austin, and I just finished sniper school, and I'm bullshitting with their two snipers in the recon battalion, and they're saying stuff to me. It's like, I mean, I I I was fresh out of the school. I'm like, wow, these guys know their shit. Like they, yeah. they that's their job. And you know, and it's funny because I you know obviously transitioning when I went over to Buds and then 
ended up checking in team one because they saw I had gone a Marine Corps sniper. They were like, all right, ominous, dominus, you know, you're, you're a sniper in the platoon. Good. It's awesome. I mean, was, I were you able from the school. Yeah. It's just going to, you got a letter from the school. So, and I think that's, is that a, it's not an NEC. I don't think in the Navy, a, a, a description of a job, is it? No, I don't think so. In the Marine Corps, it is. It's a uh, eighty. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was eighty-five forty-one. Was the uh, yeah? I don't think we got one. I yeah, but that, I mean, if if you get a if you get a, you got a command letter as a scout sniper though at Team One. Yeah, yeah. They okay. were like he, he he graduated everything, passed everything, uh, yeah. and pretty much just gave me a certificate saying like, you know, not a graduation certificate, but hey, he's he's good to go. So cool. No, that's him, good. Was like, I would I would rather um, have someone that's that's a sniper says is good to go than like a do the gray man that's like yeah he made it through buds and here he is it's like yeah. you know um now that's not brings me to something so how many deployments did you do with the marines before you got to buds three three and that's now one of the cool things i'm, I'm not bullshit i know you and you're a very humble guy um you're you're part of your book about buds which it, for those who don't know is basic underwater demolition seal training the most famous school the hardest school i think in the yeah. world your the your whole book which is a there's a lot that's a it's a good sized book is maybe a paragraph or less and it says yeah i went to buds i was called like everyone it sucked yeah <laughs> i mean I, I figured you know when i was writing it i was like there's enough books out there yeah where they describe buds i was like i don't really want to spend a lot of time going through you know this is what hell week was i'm like you can check out other books so i was like cool yeah, you know it was it was, it was cold wet and, and that was every other frog man before me you did say yes but you did say something i could respect because that was buds class 254 right uh 251 and then i graduated two five two. okay because uh if if you don't know the um not you eddie you obviously know bud started at one and then it goes up and uh, two five four, Eddie said, was the last hard class, which yeah. is what you're. Su- that's what you're <laughs> supposed to say. That's right. We, I had a, I had a, uh, a bullfrog when I, like, I walked up to a, um, a master chief when I was a brand new guy, and I was like, Master Chief, I have a question. He's like, What's that? Where's the barber? Like, Whoa, Jesus! <laughs> and then he said, uh, Yeah, but what buzz class? She was like, I don't know. There was only two of us, and they made us fight it out. It's like Jesus awesome. Christ! I'm just gonna go not here. But uh, so um. That was what was it? okay. Let's skip around a little. As a okay, what was what was the hardest part of buds for you? Uh, I would say the hardest part was. You don't strike me as I someone mean, that Hell Week was hard. No, I mean Hell. I mean, you know, Hell Week is definitely hard for every. I, there's anybody that says it's not hard is you're like you're out of your mind. I mean, yeah. but I was I was definitely I was matured enough. I mean, I did four years with the Marines. I went to mm-hmm. Marine Corps Sniper School, so I already knew like you know the game a little bit and. I knew you just had to put out and just not quit. But, uh, you know, the hardest part, I got rolled in second phase for pool comp. Pool uh, comp, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and, and to that, I wasn't like – it wasn't like, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. It was just the little minute details. Uh, oh, yeah. And – but, you know, that was a learning a learning thing. I was like, all right, man, I just need to hammer down and really get – you know, pay attention to the fine details here. Um, Can you um... – in a, you know, the Reader's Digest version of what pool comp is, pool competency, what it is? Yeah, so it is obviously in second phase. It's um, it's a dive phase, and that's pretty much where you show the instructors that you are comfortable underwater using, uh, you know, the diving rig, which is the, the you know, the two tanks. I forget the proper. The proper double name. hose actuator, the twin 80s. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, using the <laughs> twin 80s. And, that no one has used in decades. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 
and showing them like, hey, you're able to perform certain procedures underwater under duress, um, you know, while they, they roll you around, tie your hose up in knots, and you're able to perform those paying attention to detail. And so, I mean, that, it, and, you know, obviously I think the big thing with pool comp is, you know, you, you finish hell week and you're like, dude, all right, I'm, I'm, I made it. Like nobody even that, knows that shit. Nobody knows yeah. that when hell week's over, you're not even, you haven't even started yet. You're just, yeah. you're just in a, you're in a class that we're going to start to fuck with. Yep. And so, yeah, you're just, it's just the grind continues. And, uh, you know, obviously I think everybody can, that's been through buds can, can relate, you know, eventually at some point in buds, you're just like worn down. You're like, dude. Yeah. What I love about buds too, even, even dudes that eventually quit is that there's unique stories about everything. Like even if you didn't make it through hell week, you had a room inspection, which is the most ridiculous shit. Uh, the yeah. biggest circuit. Okay. So jumping around though, good. Like so full comp, you get two shots on Friday, you get the weekend, you get two chances on Monday. Right. Yep. I can, now I failed my first two on Friday and that weekend was the longest weekend of my life. It's like, I got to get this down. But the, if you don't understand pool comp, um, it can be an instructor simply doesn't like you. Like if someone yeah. said, I didn't make it through buzz because he didn't like me. This is true with pool comp. Or if he tied a knot weird and he didn't want you to untie it, or if you didn't do the procedure right, which is over and over, it can be 20 minutes. It can be an hour. You don't know when you're supposed to stop. And uh, it's just a, it's a, when I think when you finish pool comp, you're kind of like, okay, now I might make it through buds. Yeah. After you finish that, you're like, okay, I think, you, well, and then you're proven wrong again when you go to third phase and you go to the island. And the third phase the is not fucking like island. Nobody knows about the island. No, nobody can hear you scream on the island. That's uh, it's just you and the instructors and no oversight. So it was, uh, <laughs> it's always a good time. Yeah, that was that was something. I, you know what I liked about the island though is that uh, you're sort of forced to get in really good shape because you're eating pretty good chow. You're drinking nothing but water and milk, and you're working out. Uh, I like it. I found the workouts there were more to build you up to get ready to get to your team type workout. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, when you graduate buds, you know, you're, you're a machine. You're come, you come right back from San Clemente. You're like, dude, you can't do anything to me. Now yeah. when you went through, so you did, you did steel qualification training, right? Did, yeah. When I went through, I did, we did STT, which the coast ran. What was SQT like? Uh, so I've heard it's, I've heard it's better. It's definitely, I mean, it was, it was good. You know, it evolved since I went through, obviously they've made it better. Um, but it's more to get you used to for when you check into a team. So you pretty much go through like a mini ULT or workup, you go through like, you know, land warfare, diving, CQC, all that again. So you're learning the very basics so that when you check into your team, you're not completely lost. Um, they're like, okay, this guy has a, a base level that we can work with. Um, That's pretty not, smart. They, they should yeah, do it that way. It's not uh it's not super stressful. Um, you know, you, there are some tests, but it's more to see how confident you are. Um, and then I think we had like one or two guys get dropped in SQT. Okay. And what is that usually safety violation, something like that? Yeah, I was doing something stupid. I mean, it was literally like, okay, you're, you're either super unsafe or you are way too immature to check into a team. And we had, you know, you know, guys get, they get the birditis and, uh, yeah. Start, yeah. Start yeah. Running. Yeah. What do they, um, where do they send them if they if they don't make it through? They get another shot. Uh, I I believe no. I think uh, the dudes that end up get, going away for like safety violations or anything like that, um, depending on their reputation in the class. Obviously, if the class is like, hey, dude, this guy's a good dude, um, yeah, they might come around. But if the class is like, if he's bottom five on the peer evals, they'll send him to the fleet. And they're like, yeah, you're done. Um, and the bottom five meaning is that peer evals? Yeah. Do they do top five too? Yeah. 
See, yeah. that was something I, I remember that from green team, which selection and top five, bottom five, or even like picking you aside. Hey, what are you, and you got to name them. And if you always put yourself in the bottom five, you, you're probably good to go. <laughs> yeah, I actually, yeah. When I went to, uh, I went to green team in 2011 and that was, yeah, the first day we were all in that audit, little auditorium and yes. they were like, Hey, bottom five, top five right now. You don't even know anybody in the class. I don't know these dudes. <laughs> I literally stood up. I stood up and turned around and covered my name tape and just started pointing at dudes like. <laughs> him, him, and him. Yeah. And then, so, uh, did you guys do Alaska? Yeah, so Alaska back then was at after you got your trident. So after SQT, cool. you got your trident, and then uh, you went right to Alaska for cold weather training. And how long was that? I, see, I didn't do that part. That was about... Two two to three weeks, I believe. Did it suck? No, I mean it was kind. Of, it was you know you you just got your bird, so you're like super excited. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, okay. there are levels of it that sucks. You know, the land nav, you're you're up for days. You know, just walking through the Alaskan brush, and you know, we went during the summer, so that which you think would be awesome because it'd be like, all right, it's not as cold, but really they have um I forget the name of the actual bush they have there, but it grows like it's super thick, so you're just patrolling through that nonstop. Um, and I mean, they do a really good job of um showing you how to survive in the wilderness you know you you end up you know building huts uh giving, giving yeah that's huge that's huge how about land nav like like with the compass yeah you land Good. nav with the compass uh learn how to you um use terrain to your advantage all that so like what yeah. kind of because I, I remember doing stuff like that not in alaska but like it's 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 kind of like you got to pick the tree in front of you type shit and kind of walk around left go right at certain times or uh, what were we looking at peaks and trying to walk towards that or were there, were yeah. there peaks? It's uh, yeah. a lot of terrain association. So you, yeah, looking at a peak and be like, okay, that's the direction I'm headed. But then obviously going through the brush and everything, you can lose that. So you're constantly trying to gain back your, you know, this is where I'm at. That's where I'm headed. And is it in like a, a, a patrol or are you by yourself or with a swim buddy or how do you do it? You uh, start off with a buddy, a swim buddy, and then each link up, you link up with another pair. And then by the, you know, by the third day, you're pretty much in a group and you're patrolling um, cool. back to the instructors. Yeah. And then when do you find out which SEAL team you get assigned to? Um, I didn't find out. So I got my Trident and I went right to 18 Delta, uh, Sockham in North Carolina. So that was, uh, another, that's a, that's a sweet deal. No, <laughs> all, your, all your guys go to the, their team and get to be cool guys. <laughs> I tried to get out of it so bad. I was like, Hey man, I'll turn in my Corman qual. Just send me, I want to go to, cause at that point I was wanting to go to team three. Um, yeah. and they were like, Nope, you're going, you have to go. So you know, what like, year, what year was that? That was 2004. So we're talking like the beginning of Iraq, like the hot, hot. Yeah. Uh, okay. The f- yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't want team three at that point? I don't, I was pretty pissed uh, going to, going to uh, Sockham. But at the end of the day that, and I tell everybody this, that's the best school I, I went to hands. I'm sure. Yeah. It's like that qualification alone right there guarantees you you're going on every op. So no doubt about it. And you might go on other ops that you want to with other units. Yep. Did you guys do live tissue or am I allowed to say that? Uh, yeah, yeah, we did live tissue, uh, all the, the goat labs. Um, that's about a, a month long uh, now. Um, okay. Jumping around in, in my book, cause you submitted yours. Obviously I submitted mine, both of mine. And then they do block out 
certain names. And I think they do it just the way that it works is you submit your book, the Pentagon gets it. And then whoever you mentioned, they give it to that unit and they read it and read it. And uh, they, they blacked out some of mine and mine were pretty obvious. It said like, I was a SEAL team two, SEAL team four and SEAL team blank. Yours has one. And I couldn't figure it out. It said blank SEAL teams. What were you? The vanilla. You didn't use the V word. I did. I said I was in the vanilla SEAL teams. And they crossed that out saying that, that I couldn't say that word. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I was thinking you said, but I, I've never said that. I've never, I will never refute, refer to the teams as the vanilla teams. I, I do. I mean, that doesn't hurt my feelings. I do no, I know. Field. That's it's so, like, well, I mean, fuck them, but that's so yeah. funny that you would say that. It was somebody, I, I'm, I'm trying to do my all Navy SEAL speak. And I'm like, I think, I think I know this. Yeah. But I don't. Was, <laughs> when they came back with that and they were like, you can't say this. I was like, there is. Somebody up there is trying to justify their job. <laughs> no, that that was it. I mean, they they, yeah. they have books called Inside SEAL Team Six that have been approved by the Pentagon, and they yeah. just took. I mean, whatever. That's they took out of mine. Fine. It's it it is somewhat seriously. If I can just redact this, um, I can uh, I can get up to promote it. I can make lieutenant commander some shit like that. Yeah. I, I, I uh, Ryan Zinke, who's a congressman, a Republican. You could tell. When he put his, one of his books in American Commander, I think they redacted like a hundred pages. And yeah. So it's, it all it all depends on who you get. I think I said something nice about President Obama, so mine slid through there. <laughs> they were like, "All right, he gets a pass." But I'm impressed with you because uh, there had to be some. I mean, I'm not going to spoil the book, but there were some people that just didn't like you. <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of people didn't like me, and that's what we were. Uh... You know, when we turned it into the Pentagon, I was like, "Oh, here we go." Yes, this it's not. Yeah, I had, I felt the same way. But honestly, like the the liaison that we were, you know, talking to during that time, she was she was super helpful. And I mean, they it took about I would say seven months, six to seven months. Before really, that's fast. That's pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. I was, and you know, I had no no complaints about that. I'm like, cool. And honestly, like I thought they were going to throw a huge fit because obviously, as you're reading the book, you know that there's the um, QR codes in there where you can click on. Yes. And pretty much watch. That was a sweet ad, by the way. That was good, yeah. a good, good way to do it. Yeah, I added that on at the end, um, but I thought that was going to be a big deal. And they did. They were like, hey, you can't do this. And we pulled up the Navy website or uh, uh, the official Navy website, and we're like, dude, it's all right here. If you go in there, it's in the archives. It's nothing classified. Like, you can, you know, watch it all. So they really had no argument behind it, and they ended up having to let us use it. Um, so Every single week. Every week we talk about this, and we're we're looking at new stuff with how we're gonna pay back student loans, even though it didn't go through Congress. We're printing money and sending it to uh, Ukraine. We're sending our money all over the place. Why would you trust your hard-earned savings in unstable governments, kind of like we are right now, printing their way out of debt or other ridiculous overseas investments? Take my advice: protect your financial future with something real, gold and silver, from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. I've been all over the planet, and there is only one universal currency that is always of value, and that is gold. Allegiance Gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry. Five stars with TrustLink, AAA rated with the Business Consumer Alliance, and A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. So go to protectwiththeoperator.com and get up to $2,500 of free silver on a qualifying purchase when you tell them the operator sent you. Or give them a call at 844-790-9191. Again, that's 844-790-9191. 
We can't control this administration, but we can prepare for the consequences of their policies, which are coming. So go to protectwiththeoperator.com. That's protectwiththeoperator.com, or give them a call at 844-790-9191. You have heard me talk about it before, and it's awesome. Have you tried Black Buffalo? Uh, I used to dip all the time in the Navy, and I wanted to get away from tobacco, so I started using black buffalo. I've mentioned it before. It is uh, the same ritual as uh, traditional smokeless tobacco without the tobacco. There's no tobacco leaf or stem. It's made from food-grade ingredients, and it does have pharmaceutical-grade nicotine if you desire. We have some that don't uh, don't have nicotine either. But uh, black buffalo, same thing. Get done with a meal, throw in a dip, wake up in the morning after coffee. With coffee, have a dip. Black Buffalo has no tobacco. If you are a dipper currently and over the age of 21, check out blackbuffalo.com and get you some. We got a, a really good flavors. I got wintergreen right here. Um, go to blackbuffalo.com. Check it out. If you have been paying attention to things, and based on the fact that you are listening to the Operator Podcast, that means you have. I'm sure you've heard of ketones. I've mentioned them before, and they've been on TV. Ketones are a natural source of fuel for your body. They're often created when your stored carbs are depleted, triggering your body to convert fat into ketones for fuel. Unlike fats, though, ketones can cross the blood-brain barrier, allowing ketones to fuel both your brain and your blood. Compared to other sources of energy like glucose or fat, ketones are a more efficient fuel that can produce more power while losing less oxygen. That just sounds proficient. In daily life, your brain and body are fueled by ketones. And when I take them, I feel amazing. Uh, you can find Ketone IQ at HVMN.com. That stands for Health Via Modern Nutrition. HVMN.com. Use the promo code THEOPERATOR at checkout, and you get 20% off. Again, that's HVMN.com with promo code THEOPERATOR. Hotel Victor Mike November.com. Remember, this is a brain fuel. It's an energy boost. You can take it whenever you need it or first thing in the morning. Zero sugar, zero caffeine, energy boost, uh, whenever you want it. 60% of Tour de France competitors use Ketone IQ, and they are not keto. So that's HVMN.com, and you are looking for Ketone IQ. Use the code THEOPERATOR, get 20% off. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember um, when they explained to me that every unit you mentioned is going to get a copy of the manuscript, and then they're going to put their redax. I'm like, I guarantee that my book's in a, sh in a shitter at SEAL Team 6 right now. There's, there's no fucking way because uh, it's amazing. I think that the way they said is you can stay on the speeding train as long as you like, but when you jump off, you, we're gone. And like, and, and cr crazy one too was uh, when I first got to Red Squadron, I, the boss said, uh, if when we all get out, there's going to come a day when we get out and or retire. And if we all work together, we could take over the world, but it'll never happen. Crazy. So anyway, <laughs> back to um, SQT at SEAL Team 1. Yep. Yeah. And so, then what, uh, how'd that work? Um, that was, you know, I checked into uh, Delta Platoon, 2 Troop, and that was probably to this day the best group of dudes I've ever worked with. Um, you know, I, my older guys. What was crazy is like not, not a lot of them had any combat experience. Uh, I think like only one or two guys in that platoon did. And then the rest of them, you know, had done a, some PI deployments, but they were like the most motivated and like driven dudes I'd been around. It was all about training. It was all about getting better at your job. And uh, we ended up deploying to Iraq, uh, had a great deployment there. It was really DA heavy. Um, was that Ramadi? 
No, we were uh, in Hit, um, about an hour outside of Al-Assad. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, uh, but we were, I mean, we were convoying all over the place back then. It was oh, four-hour, four five-hour drives to go do a hit, but that's uh and that's a taking that's taking your life in your own hands every time you uh you get out there i remember uh, tulsi gabbard said the other day there was a sign outside of her base that said is today the day and that's a way that you should live your life is, yeah. is this it fuck it be ready to go you know and then uh and I, I wouldn't know how long was the deployment cycle for your for the first platoon at at one uh regular deployment like six months which ends up always turning into seven um yeah. you know it's the waiting game to go home but yeah it was about six to seven month deployment Came back. Uh, what? No, what? What? Uh, what was like a normal day with with a hit? So you leave and it's a how? How long was the convoy? Four hours? Uh, it depended. Yeah, I mean, I think we even did like an eight hour. Were we going to Syria or something? <laughs> I mean, we were all we were. I mean, it was funny. My chief was super aggressive, which I loved. And yeah, he, yes, of course. Look for work, any chance. So if there was a chance to go somewhere and do a hit, he's like, "Hey, we're going." Um, now, what what was the what was the morale of the guys? You said this is a great platoon. They were all about it. Let's fucking go. Let's go hit it. Shake to start to develop type shit. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, mm -hmm. the guy we had, um, you know, uh, Aaron Vaughn was one of my best friends. Yeah, was, Aaron Vaughn's a fucking stud. Yeah. So he was like my my older guy. Um, mm -hmm. He was an ASO, so he was always developing targets, um, bringing in sources. I mean, it was con there was no like. There was no downtime. I mean, there was downtime, but it was like everybody was always working on getting to the next target. And Good. Trying, trying to get out. Not to interject too, but with Aaron Vaughn, with that motivation, also just he just looked dashing, didn't he? He just oh, this yeah. guy's my God. What is there anything you are not amazing at? I, what a badass. <laughs> he was a stud, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. That's that's one of those things where I was like, dude, thank God I had him as an older guy. Good. And I got to come up that way. Um, but yeah, like usually, you know, we would. You know, we weren't going out during the day. Um, and then around, you know, each night, take off around midnight and then just go hit a variety of targets. Uh, sometimes it'd be on one or sometimes it'd be five. Um, it just depends. Now, but now when you're coming back, though, you're talking the sun's coming up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sun's coming up, dropping off uh, prisoners if we had any, you know, having to go through that ordeal and then go back, debrief, get some sleep, and then start the rotation all over again. How, how were the rules of engagement at this point? Uh, they, the, back then it was, you know, the, they were pretty stringent. I remember my first platoon. I mean, everybody was on edge about, you know, getting hemmed up. Um, oh yeah. So we were, we were pretty, uh, pretty stringent on, on, you know, shooting dudes. Uh, we took a lot of prisoners. Um, you know, we definitely, I'll tell you, we had a really awesome, awesome op. Uh, it was, um, uh, sort of Vietnam style tactics. We did an ambush. Uh, we had the source come in. He was like, Hey, there's a bunch of guys that want to, they want to shoot Americans. So we're like, okay. Um, we buried some guns out there and we set up in an L ambush and waited for oh, the L ambush. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it was about six dudes rolled in, waited for them to dig them up. They picked up the rifles and we just dusted them all. And it was, it was awesome. It was, uh, if you're for any operator from infantry to fucking Delta, the dream op is an L ambush. Yeah. It's oh. clean. It's, uh, you know, there's, it's just a, a good time. <laughs> who was, who, did, you, did you have the saw of the 60? I was actually, um, on, in the uh, turret. So we had, uh, oh, an L set up and then we had, um, you got vehicles our, on this L. Our Humvees staged back in the woods. So as soon as those guys picked up the rifles, uh, once the, uh, one element from our, uh, 
platoon started engaging. We rolled up in the Humvees real quick and just started laying waste with the two. I had the two forties, twin two forties, twin two forties. Okay, that yeah, you could you could have actually hung the uniform up then, and your career is complete. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it was it the twin the twin two forties. Oh shit! So yeah, because that was their uh, right around then. So that's oh four oh five. Um, that was their tactic was to bear because they 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 would adjust us. Uh, us being the coalition and they, they, they stopped sleeping with their guns and would bury them outside. They stopped sleeping on the roof, start sleeping outside. So who, how did they, would you bust them with an ISR burying them in the, in the, in the hem of the, whatever the trees? No, we actually went out and buried them ourselves. Uh, they were, Oh shit. That's even better. Yeah. These guys were looking for weapons to kill Americans. So we're like, all right, we got, you know, we got some, so we, wow, that's, that is outside the box. So you had a source tell them that they're there. Yeah, we had the source lead them there. Uh, Fuck, man! Well, I could have used that info years ago. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was awesome. That, and that was all due to Aaron Vaughn, right there. That was his yeah. whole. Boy, that's whole. smart. That's smart. I mean, that's you know, with you know, you get too many jags involved, you're tiptoeing. But that's, uh... oh yeah. yeah. But so uh, when uh, then were they big on uh, shooter statements yet? Because when, when we were there at first, they weren't big on. You kill someone and then you got to do all the paperwork. What were they with, doing with so, you guys? Yeah, that deployment, we they. I think that's when they started initiating the shooter statements a lot more. So I, you know, my first uh, initiation into that, you know, we did a DA. I ended up uh, muzzle striking this dude. You know, I came around the corner. He was right there. Oh, shit. You know, he was still alive. I, I treated him afterwards, uh, but you know, during my shooter statement, the Jag was like, and she was a female. She's like, okay, what happened? I'm like, yeah, I entered and he's there. I. Muzzle struck him in the forehead, split his head open, and she was like, uh, what? And my chief's like, all right, start all over again. <laughs> yeah, like, let's re- re- t- reword this. Can yeah. we, I know it's real world, but can we take a tactical timeout, training timeout here? Let's get it back yeah. that up. And I, you know, as a new guy, I'm lost. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, that's. Well, that, but your, your chief was there with you, though. Yeah. So he was yes, like, that's, hey, see, that's a chief, man. That's awesome. That's what, that's oh, yeah. what he's supposed to do. He good. was awesome. Uh, good dude. We had, we had, uh, now, again, I'm, this isn't about me, but you know, you you want to if you get a shooting, you want pictures of the the exactly where they are and where the gun fell. Just so here, here's what the crime scene or whatever it looked like. And uh, they got pissed at us because we were putting the guns too close to the body. And I remember I shot one dude that had a grenade, and he fell over on his face, and his hand was up. So I put a grenade in his hand and took a picture of it, and I brought it back to Intel, and I could hear the army guy go, "Oh, you got to be shitting me!" I'm like, "No, he he was coming right for us, man." <laughs> got him just in time. Thank God for the rest of us, huh? You're welcome. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. She... <laughs> Smoking a cigar. That's too fun. So, um, yeah, that's, but uh, standard standard night driving out, coming back. And then uh, I was always a big fan of the getting to the chow hall, having breakfast for dinner type yeah. meal. The, the mini sandwiches and the hot sauce. I love when people would send hot sauce over. So we would have, like, where we were at at that deployment, we had no chow hall. We pretty much were living off of eggs and you know, stuff we bought out in town. Uh, but then we would drive to Al-Assad. Uh, yeah, that's where we were at first. Yeah. And uh, go to the, yeah, the chow halls there were pretty awesome. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so that's that's the first platoon of Team 1. Yep. And then, what, are you an E6 at this point? Uh, I'm an E5. Uh, so then, obviously, we started our second platoon workup. Uh, I believe I picked up E6 during that platoon. And uh, that that deployment, we ended up going to Afghanistan. Um, okay, okay, that's a good, that's good because uh, I mean, again, the humility 
that you have is insane because you don't mention any of this in your book and the book's fucking awesome. Uh, you just, you, you kind of start, you can, whatever you get, read the, read the book. It's amazing. But, but, uh, so what, which part of Afghanistan did you go to? Uh, we went to Kandahar. Um, uh, we were doing Jesus. That's, that's a hot place too. Yeah. Yeah. That deployment was probably one of the top, top three deployments I've done as far as kinetic wise, we were doing disruption ops that we were tasked with doing that. So we would pretty much fly out to wherever the Taliban was staging, you know, their weapons or they were, you know, doing the uh, opium trade and all that stuff. So we had DEA attached to us sometimes. So we just, we'd go out, uh, take down a couple compounds and find, you know, find everything that we needed, but then we'd stay there and pretty much it was like a video game, you know, seven in the morning, icon chatter would come up and you're like, yep. here we go. And then get into a day long tick, uh, Jesus. And yeah and then usually how, staying there one or two days and then flying back out how, how did you like working with the dea they were awesome uh they really that's good to hear out. yeah they were aggressive um they literally just melded right in with us they're like hey we're looking cool guys uh, yeah, do, they, do they have do they have an hrt uh, uh, uh a team like that a swat i believe they do yeah because um, we got like we we work we work with the fbi a lot and you know, say what you want about the 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 desk fuckers back here, but the the HRT guys, the hostage rescue team guys we had were just good to go. Yeah. Um, I, I I always it was like I I would question um, why they were with us because that same reason I didn't carry a, a helmet cam. Like you don't need to see everything. Just trust me with my after action. But we got cops with us, but they turned out to be even. They helped out more with the shooter statement because th this is like a legit cop. Like I'm an enlisted guy, but that's a fucking cop with a master's degree, so that's cool. But though the DEA, I mean, depends on what you're looking for. I disagreed with the opium burning and shit like that because that's a way for them to make a living, and the yeah. Taliban will pay more if they get. So, you know, we personally got in gunfights with dudes who were just trying to farm, but they, you know, picked up guns because we're burning their shit. Did you have anything like that? Oh, for sure. I mean, that's a lot of our gunfights were, I would say, were with local people that were just like, dude, okay, you just burned our shit, so we're pissed. And now, yeah, and what else we I got? Don't blame. I don't blame. No, no, but that was that was the gig back then. It was like, all right, that, that's the thing too, because like I remember after nine eleven, I would have invaded Canada. I, bring me to the where the fight is. We're going somewhere. So I didn't really, you know, I didn't care at that. Looking back on it, you know, but can you what, like, what did you? Because a lot of these uh, dudes, when we talk about shitty leadership, I, I mean, we haven't talked about it right now, but I read your book, so I know you, we have the same feelings. Um, with some of this leadership, I heard a story about, and I just want you to relate to this or, or, or just add on to it. There was an army unit going to Iraq, and like right at the end during during uh, pre-deployment leave, they switched. Now we're going to go to Afghanistan. So they're coming to get their brief, and the slide said Iraq whatever deployment and they said sir we're going to afghanistan and his response was iraq afghanistan what's the difference <laughs> everything <laughs> this, guy's, this guy's leading us <laughs> yeah super we're gonna be just fine uh I but mean, like, I expl have... explain some of the differences differences in... in between iraq uh out west and oh, then yeah. afghanistan and, and i mean iraq Canada. obviously is more urban um which which then you know that leads to you know, different, different tactics, uh, different ways you move, um, to the target and on target. But then Afghanistan was definitely more rural. Um, the, I would say it was more kinetic just because of the amount of, I mean, the Taliban and then the, obviously like we just talked about the local farmers, if they got pissed, I mean, they, those, they would engage from like anywhere from 300 to yeah. 800 out. 
Um, and it was very hard to, you know, pick them off because yes. it's, it's their terrain. They know how to navigate around it. And they've been fighting their entire lives. Exactly. Um, I, 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 I was amazed the difference between Al-Qaeda, which are also foreigners in Afghanistan, uh, and they're also in Iraq, and the Taliban, because the Taliban was a much more lethal enemy. I thought so, too, as well. Mm-hmm. I thought they were, uh, you know, better, better trained, uh, whoever trained them. And better, yeah. Better- well, I mean, it was, I think it was us for a while in the, in, yeah. in the, in the, in the 80s. <laughs> and I, I, one of the differences I would, I would say, obviously, and uh, we can get into this later, like sometimes the worst moments bring out the best dark humor. Um, we were saying the difference with Al-Qaeda and, I, and the Taliban is uh, Al-Qaeda is going to cut your head off if they capture you. The Taliban just might fuck you for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> that's my, that my observation. Save, save one for yourself either way. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, that's why you carry your pistol on you. That's pretty. That was it. Yeah, (laughs) that's what it was for. I'm not going to get in a a pistol fight in a mountain. It's just I'm saving. I'm going to loft 14 at you, and I'm keeping one for me. Yeah, fucking crazy. So, um, so yeah, but Kandahar was was different. But then uh, I do want to get. I want to get into. uh, So you you did one more deployment, and then you were a platoon chief, right? No, then I uh, I became a first phase instructor. Oh, tell me a little bit about that. Being an instructor. Yeah, that, I mean that I I was pretty frustrated when I got orders there because I I was putting yeah. another platoon. Um, they were like, "Hey, you just go be an instructor." You know what do they what do they say all the time? Uh, it's time for you to give back to the teams. And you're like, "Fuck that, yeah, whatever." <laughs> but you know, at that time I was married. Uh, I still am. Yeah, and had uh, I just had a new baby, so I was like, "Okay, I'll take this time." I uh, went there, and honestly, that was. It ended up being a blessing, man. It was a cool, a cool experience. I was there with a bunch of good dudes uh, that that were the first phase instructor staff, and it was really interesting to be on the other side. Um, you know, I remember that, checking. That's them. what I was going to ask, just what it's like, because my experience was these are just complete badasses that uh, are going to, you know, hammer us. But they're team guys with a job, and I, I can't, you know, when I went through there were no combat vets. I don't give a fuck what they say. Like the best we had was SEAL Team 2 going to Bosnia. And, you know, they were legends. But I can I can imagine being a a, a West Coast SEAL just finished up both Af- Iraq and Afghanistan. Now you're an instructor. I mean, did that, because you're, you're barrel-chested enough, did, did that do anything for you or to help you or make you nicer to them or what? No, I think it made me more uh, stringent on like, you want the right dudes to get through because you're like, this job, you know, we're going to war um, mm-hmm. and the guys that are going to make it through are going to end up going through with you. So you're very diligent on like making sure the dudes that don't belong, don't belong Good. Don't go away. Um, you know, and that's, you know, it's a, it's a tough job. You know, when, when, uh, when I checked in, that's when they were trying to grow the force or that they're like, Hey, yep. and so they're always trying classes, to, yep. Our classes went from like 150 to 300 students. And we, so we were, outnumbered for sure as far as instructor student ratio mm-hmm. and so the guys seven, can slip through yeah it was seven classes a year seven weeks seven classes a year so there's no break so we would finish one class on friday and start a whole another one on monday um so it was a constant that place must have been a zoo oh yeah dude i mean my wife was so fucking pissed because you're supposed she, to get time off I thought this was a break and i was more yeah. wore out there than i was at the team i was like mm-hmm. constantly doing it but it was good, man. And the, the, the good thing about it is I still have guys that I put through that will reach out to me and they're like, dude, you were like, really? Yeah. Like, and not, not an inspiration, but more like, no, hey, that's yeah. I, but I looked 
up to you and you were like, you were a good instructor. Like you were, you were hard, but fair. Um, and I, I always, I tried to, when I was there lead by example. So like, if yeah, I, of course. I would do all of the evolutions with the students, I do the four mile time runs. I do the two miles and swims just to like, be like, Hey, this isn't like a one-stop shop. Oh, like, no shit. You're doing the swims with them too, huh? Yeah. I was like, this that's, is a lot. That's actually time. badass. That's, that's really good leadership by example. And you know, you are fast Eddie. So you're doing the runs. That's obvious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gifted. I'm gifted with the uh, chicken legs for sure. That's cool though, because that that was my least favorite part. Even though I was a good runner, was the damn the the the, the four mile time runs were fine, but the those damn the conditioning runs. It wasn't the soft sand or the technique. It was the it's up to that instructor when we're gonna stop. Yeah, exactly. And I could see you'd add a couple extra miles. Like you're, I think you strike me as the guy that would come back from uh, you know on your way to the compound and just run past and go right to the hotel. Dell, let's just keep going. Oh, yeah. just, I, I yeah. pull I pull that stunt a couple times. <laughs> And and you know when you're gonna stop. And I love the the stunt where you run past and all of a sudden a fresh instructor comes out and you fuck off. Yes, it's, it's all a mind. Move. Yeah, it is. No, it's a mind game too. But that, I think that's what you're saying. What I'm saying is that's important for the the mental capacity because most guys, I think nowadays, the, they're not gonna not. I mean, there's the guys that aren't, but you got it. Once your mind your mind once your mind goes, your body follows. You can't. It, yeah. it, I've never seen anyone say, "Well, I I my mind was gonna quit, but my body kept going." Fuck that. Yeah, and you see, you see students when I when I was putting them through that they try to game the system because they they have all the information's out there now, right? So they know yeah. the schedule and they're like, oh, we know what's coming up next. And so, you, as instructors, you know that they know this. So yep. eventually, you're like, all right, we're gonna do a little divert to this and see how they handle it. Good, that's really really good. They're trying to be scripted. How was the latitude with the headshed with the like the command mastery for the XO or the CO? Did they did they let you do shit or did they make you go by it the was, book? constant battle it was like pushing a clown car uphill man i mean they were constantly <laughs> trying to and here's here's the thing like they were constantly trying to lower the standards because they they were trying to grow the force but here's what i tell guys i'm like you can have the leadership you know come down and be like hey guys don't do this the reality is you have team guys running the show and they're going to make sure the standards are upheld that's, that's brilliant yeah yeah like, and that that's what it is too i i uh we the we we never could figure out this. What's the system that works Did you want more guys. It's almost like it's the team guy system. It just fucking works. It's, it's yeah. just what it is. Exactly. I mean, yeah. and they're constantly trying to reinvent the wheel on that. And you're like, dude, it's, it's been working for since the beginning. It, no, it has. Yeah. I, I remember a dude coming in, uh, an instructor. Uh, I still talk to him once in a while. And I was, I mean, I'm talking, there is no combat. He's a badass. You know, I'm thinking he's an old man. He's probably 26. Uh, and he, and I remember stopping after beating us one day and saying, you know, one day, uh, I'm beating you this hard because one day I might go to war with you. And that was one of the dudes. He was in my, he was in my first platoon, my first LPO. It's like, yeah, that's a bad motherfucker. And he was right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the mindset you need to have as an instructor because you are going to end up working with those guys. And you do have some, some instructors who abuse that power. Like, and the students know right away. They're like, this guy, you can tell like, this guy's a piece of shit. You know, um, yeah. you don't want the, you don't want the students because they're all going to work with you, you know? And so when you show up to a team, you're no longer an instructor. You're like, Hey man. Yeah, well, yeah. I called, I called the, I called the guy instructor something at team two, like at the gut truck, getting a fucking cheeseburger. It's like, no, that's, that's, that's over. Don't even. Yeah. I had the same, same thing. <laughs> Not until I make chief, then you can call me chief. But other than that, just <laughs> don't even, I'll see you at the bar. <laughs> yeah. That, um, I, you, okay. We'll get into your uh, platoon chief thing. But one thing I heard from buddies of mine that once they like, they left seal team six, their, their twilight tour, the last tour was at buds. And I, I was asked them, how are the guys now? And he goes, the biggest problem is air lats. 
And I'm like, air lats. He's like, yeah, they all walk around like this. Like they got these air lats. Like they're all these entitled tough guys or some shit. Yeah. I mean, you do. I, I definitely noticed that um, because, and I, I, my perspective, I blame it on the, uh, what that, that Great Lakes thing they have where these guys go right yeah. from boot camp to Great Lakes. They're treated differently right from boot camp. They're treated differently at Great Lakes. They're like, hey, you guys are the best. You guys are doing. They think they're special at boot camp. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny to watch, dude, because these guys show up and the first day of first phase, the look on their face, they're like, oh, shit. Like, Just drop the hammer. It's like, guess what? You guys aren't <laughs> sure. And what's that? What's the thing with uh, they finish SQT and they send them to like dinners and galas and speaking and shit like that? They do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Talking so, like, it's become this huge. I mean, I, and, you know, I put it in my book just to like, I'm sure, you know, guys in your era and before you probably look at, you know, SQT, like, oh my gosh, these guys are going to SQT and this and that, um, you know, cause times change, but no change. I, I will tell you this. When I got my trident, that was, we were in a closed room with nothing. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. We got, we got punched in your chest and we were all told like, Hey, congratulations, but you ain't yeah. shit. Like you, you ain't shit. Yeah. You, team, you're, you, you might have to take those off when you show up to a team, just be ready. You have to earn that every day. We used to do that. We had the first class. It was that class that was on uh, on uh, TV, class two, three, four, and they showed up with their trident, first SQT class. And you know, we said, "Hey, welcome," but we're putting these in the birdcage until you yeah. earn it from us. And I, I'm still a believer that the platoon chief tells you when you can have your trident. That's how it should be. And even if you can technically wear it, it you're not here. And I, even with the, uh, I mean, it's it sucks at the time being that guy. But even when you get one platoon done, you're just a little louder. You still really don't know shit. Yeah. I mean, you, it's, I definitely think you should, you have to earn it again when yep. you get to the platoon and be like, show how competent you are. And, you know, what? you have those guys that they go to buzz, they go to SQT, get their trident and they, it's sort of like they take the ruck off them and they're like, well, I've, I've made it. And you're like, dude, you, you haven't even started yet. Like, this is just the entry. <laughs> you're literally um, still shitting buds chow, dude. We like, yeah. <laughs> so like, I've noticed with these kids now, they, they have these big galas. You know, and, and I, it's not the kid's fault, like these students. No, they, that's not at all. But when they're told constantly how awesome they are and yes. you know, they're getting taken out to dinners and getting treated like, you know, God's gift, and then they show up to a team and you're like, hey, bro, like, you're yeah. Welcome back to reality. No and kidding. Some of them have an entitled mindset. We're like, how dare, like, I was just told I was the best. Why are you treating me like this? That's and, crazy. Uh, it causes some friction, you know. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'd imagine it would. And you know what's weird too is it's it's kind of the same thing getting out of the navy, um, because when you're in, same thing with the gals and the dinners will fly you here so you can talk. But once you're out, it's like, well, yeah, I'm sure they'll hire me just for being a seal. Not necessarily. You yeah. gotta. It's guess what? You just started your second career. <laughs> this is day one. Yeah, it, it might get you a foot in the door, but it's like that's all yeah. about it. Oh, that, it'll get you a foot in the door, but the the, the phone, well, especially if you start giving them shit for free. Like if you just show up and tell them war stories, they're not going to hire you to do it again. Yeah, exactly. So that's just I don't know. That's okay. So let's skip ahead though to when you get. So now you get the platoon chief. We've covered the deployments, the combat, the bud shit. Uh, then you get a platoon. Now you're the guy. That's the chief. Combat experience. Now you're dealing with new guys and not even new guys, but guys that have done a pump, but haven't really been to combat. What's, what's like the first yeah. day like with that? 